Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. Where are we? In the village, talking to big Finnish executive producer and a fan of The Prisoner, Nick Briggs. Hello, Hello. Nick. It did become obvious when I had to speak. <laughs> it wasn't it, though? Mm-hmm. We try to make it easy for you. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. What a pleasure to be here with you both. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you, um, not about Doctor Who this time, mm-hmm. uh, for what you are most known, but The Prisoner. Where where did your fascination with The Prisoner start in life? Uh, it started, uh, as as I've said many times, so I apologize if you've heard this. I haven't. So oh, this okay. is new to me. This okay. is excellent. I'm learning something. Ah, uh, well, um, I've. it started... When I was a child in the 60s and uh, my father, mother and I used to go on a a boat. We used to sail on a boat in a little bit of water called the Solent between Southampton and uh, the Isle of Wight. And um, every now and again, there'd be these big orange boys, which you call buoys, I believe, Mm -hmm. in the sea. Uh, And uh, my father would uh, point at them and go, oh, the prisoner. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't know what he meant, you see. And so I'd say, what was that? And I remember he said, oh, it's this series that you're, you're too young to see, because I was born in 1961, so right. you see, I was too too young to watch The Prisoner. And uh, he he described it inaccurately as a series about a man trapped on an island, and he was chased around by a huge orange ball. <laughs> And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting, right? And and you know, he would mention it from time to time. And then in 1976, I think it was. I've been saying 1977 for many years, but I think it actually was 1976. Ooh. It was repeated on ITV, Independent Television in Britain, mm-hmm. uh, fairly late night on Saturdays, and uh, I missed it. Um, and a friend of mine, my, my closest friend at the time, Nicholas Layton, who was, I believed, we the only other Doctor Who fan in the world because I, up until then I hadn't known there were other Doctor Who fans uh-huh. how wrong I was I know that uh-huh. uh, he he phoned me we, we would usually either speak on the phone or meet up after each episode of Doctor Who on Saturday nights just to discuss it and listen to our audio recording of the Doctor Who episode and he, he said oh there's this great thing late night on, on Saturday this thing uh, called the uh, The Prisoner and I went, oh, was that about a man on an island with a big orange ball chasing him? And he went, no. Uh, I mean, he's in this place called The Village and there is, there's a big ball, but it's white. So I said, no, this one, it was an orange ball. <laughs> you know. And Did your like, father's television have like the, the colour off or something? Well, in the 1960s, there was no coloured television oh, in Britain. And so he saw the prisoner in black and white <gasps> and they said orange alert. And so he naturally oh, assumed oh, that the... That, Rover was orange. Mm-hmm. You see now how it works. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. So I remember telling my dad, I said, you know that thing with the big orange ball? Went, yeah. I said, it's on ITV on, on Saturday nights. Now he said, oh, is it? Oh, God. I said, and the ball isn't orange. And he said, no, it was orange. He said, no, it isn't. It's, it's white. Mate. You just thought it was orange. Because, you know, when you watch black and white television, I remember from my childhood making all sorts of assumptions about colour. Mm-hmm. You know, about, uh, I remember there was a kid's uniform in a, a series called The Clitheroe Kid. And I said, oh, it's just like my brother's uniform. And my mum said, what? What makes you think that? I said, well, it's the same colour. She said, is it really? And what colour is that? And I said, well, it's green. Is it? Have a look again. I go, mm, yeah, it's definitely green. Mm, <laughs> look again. It's green. No, no. Here's something that's green, Nick, and here's the television. I'm, oh, it's grey. Yeah, there is no colour on television. Nick. That's how my mother really upset me. No. <laughs> So you, you finally did actually watch the show at some point. Yes, I watched it from the second episode, which the order they were showing in then had Chimes of Midnight 
Chimes at Midnight, Chimes at Big Ben. Chimes at Midnight is a big finish release. Yeah. <laughs> Available at bigfinish.com. Uh, Chimes at Big Ben. Uh, I watched it from there onwards mm-hmm. and recorded the audio of it and so got very, very familiar mm-hmm. with it and watched all the others, but didn't see Arrival for quite some years and I think not until it came out on VHS or maybe when Channel 4 repeated it in 1980, maybe in just 1980, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, and so I, I loved it. I became obsessed with the fact that there was a different number two each week um, and I wanted to know the names of the actors. And so I would make a note of it when it came up on the television and then I'd rush up um, to my uh, tape recorder upstairs where I used to record it on another television with a microphone, you see. So I couldn't be in the same room in case I breathed too loudly. I was wondering if that was the reason. Uh, and, I, and I would rush up to the microphone and just say, number two, played by Leo McKern. You know, so I would, uh, I would have a record of who the number two was. And then I, you know, when I uh, went to drama school in London, I found this fantastic shop called um, Forbidden Planet, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I th- just didn't think things like that could could exist. And they had lots of fanzines and pamphlets all about the the, the prisoner. Mm-hmm. And I used to buy them all and read them and think, I don't even know what a libertarian is, but apparently that's <laughs> what this is about, you know, and all this nonsense. Yeah. So I, I, I loved it and found it equally as frustrating frustrating as the British public did that it didn't seem to have a proper ending. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this, this episode you're listening to, dear listener, is actually slated to go out uh, before our review of uh, Fallout, Fallout mm-hmm. actually happens. Hi, 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 um, I like you very much. <laughs> How much do you want to talk about that? Because I know that... Uh, well, the beauty of a podcast is that yes. people can actually listen in whatever order they want. That's so true. if you are afraid of being spoiled about what we think about Fallout, just just hit pause and come back to this episode yeah. after it's done. So were you frustrated by Fallout? I was, but I was more... The thing I was thrilled about was the fact that the theme tune continued mm. at the beginning and you had a different section of the theme tune and I can't tell you how happy that made me. I'm just bonkers, aren't I? But, you know, I loved <laughs> no. that. And then when they revealed where it was filmed and everything, this was all incredible stuff, really. But, I mean, you know, have you seen that new documentary? No, it's on the network DVD version, yeah, isn't it? I've yeah. not seen that You've yet. You've got to see that. Mm-hmm. I want you know, to. because of the whole thing about Fallout and the way Patrick Magoo and his way of thinking about it and how how he, how he went from making it a series a series about a man trapped in a place a debriefed spy to it being an allegory and you don't know where when these things mesh and when they change and also you know there's one way of interpreting it is that um maybe maybe he's dead during fallout Ooh. because it's just um Fallout, as far as... Well, Once Upon a Time and Fallout are the only two episodes of The Prisoner that are entirely... uh, The Prisoner is present in every piece of it. Mm -hmm. Whereas all the other episodes of The Prisoner, you cut to other situations with other people. So it's like a, you know, Mm -hmm. omnipotent third-person narrative. Whereas the... Those last two episodes are are like a first person experience of uh, everything going crazy, and it just feels like um, the sort of stuff that would rush through someone's mind when they were dying. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a sort of what is that? Um, it's like one of those um, apocryphal tales. I can't remember where it comes from. Maybe it's a, a particular short story or something about a man who. Um, um, 
is is about to be hanged for a crime mm-hmm. and just at the point he's about to be hanged he someone rescues him and he escapes and they get away and there's this huge story a big adventure of getting away and he settles down with a beautiful woman and blah, 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 and, they, and they're they're in their house or something and at a point he he some point during this he kind of oh goes back with his neck like that and he's been hanged and he's dead and all that mm-hmm. fantasy of being escaped happened in the split second as he dropped mm-hmm. from, from the, you know, with the rope. Yeah. And it's almost like with the prisoner, suddenly he has this crazy fantasy where it becomes like a James Bond film and there are machine <laughs> right. guns and everyone running around and whoop, whoop, and a rocket and a, what, a number one is him wearing a monkey mask. I mean, right. it is clearly something crazy. That's, the, you know... I like this headcanon. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, you know, it's just something that I... Um, I thought of I'm not saying that is what Patrick McGoohan no. intended but I mean have you ever passed out for example have you ever fainted mm-hmm. yeah well when quite often when that happens I'm afraid for one reason or another I've done that a lot in my life and really crazy stuff happens mm-hmm. in your head mm-hmm. and it seems to go on much longer you know in reality you just went and fell over mm-hmm. but from your point of view it went on for quite a long time with things whizzing around, around and bells going off and people speaking and singing and doing all sorts of crazy stuff so time means nothing in the human mind mm-hmm. really it can be distorted so yeah it did occur to me I put that in my pitch to ITV actually yeah I think they went eh, yeah whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to know what he's talking about they thought yeah the, the pitch to ITV you mentioned is is when you pitched to bake big finish audio yeah yeah the prisoner. so yeah. what compelled you uh, I suppose you probably this sounds like something that you've always wanted to do but, yes but how did you finally come about being able to do it well I've been talking to ITV for quite some time about doing Thunderbirds mm-hmm. and I had a number of meetings with them and uh, every time I spoke about Thunderbirds I mentioned the prisoner as well I said, oh, by the way, I'd like to do that. Because also when you speak to people who own, you know, intellectual property, they often say, is there anything else we have that, you you know, and I kept mentioning that. And to cut a very long story short, it looked like we were going to get the Thunderbirds license, but it was just at the time when Thunderbirds Are Go, the new animated series, was coming back. And I had a meeting at ITV uh, uh, in London, which I dashed all the way from Dorset for. And then they told me at the meeting that we wouldn't be able to do Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. I think I looked quite cross. Mm-hmm. And uh, they uh, they said, is there anything else we can do for you? And I said, well, the prisoner. They, the prisoner. I said, you know, the thing I've been talking to you about five years. And they went, oh, well, well, um, um, do, we, do we own it? And I said, yes, of course you own it. Yeah. And they said, uh, well, I, I, we know we own it, but, I mean, do we own all of it? Right. So we shall check, you know. And then they got in touch with me and said, yeah, um, uh, we we do and okay let's talk about the deal but I always joke that it's because they saw my angry upset face that they thought quick quick give him something for God's sake <laughs> we're going to break his heart right. you know um, it, no and and that's and the and the deal was made fairly quickly and I wrote my pitch about you know what sort of episodes I would do and the way I would do it and that they seemed pretty happy mm-hmm. and you know. I did like a proper meeting with a, a, a keynote presentation. Like that's like the, wow. the Mac version of PowerPoint. And, uh-huh, yeah. yeah, I wasn't necessarily going to do the presentation. Then it became clear that they sort of needed that, and I went, "Oh well, I happen to have here." <laughs> I was able to, yeah. And um, they, they've been really great about it, and really pleased about what we've done. Mm-hmm. So, so describe for those of you who haven't listened to the Big Finish audio mm-hmm. version of it. Describe the approach that you did 
in trying to sort of re- not only recreate this, but I suppose kind of like reenact a little bit too? Yeah, there's a bit of reenacting and a bit of recreation and a bit of reimagining. Um, they do say, they do say that the, uh, that when, when an idea is a good idea and a worthwhile idea, you can encapsulate it in a very short sentence. Uh, so clearly what I've done with The Prisoner is not a good idea because I find out, I don't know why I've done it the way I've done it. I just knew that that was the way to do it and I can't really describe it very succinctly. I wanted to, you know, obviously uh, it would have been very different if were Patrick McGowan still to be alive. We probably wouldn't have got to do it, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know. but So there was no way of saying that like we do with our Doctor Who's, that this fits in between, you know, after Planet of Fire and before Caves of Androzani, all those (laughs) crazy things we do. Um, uh, So it had to be, you know, we would have someone else playing the prisoner. So it had to be different, didn't Mm. it? And there's no point just taking the original scripts and doing them word for word. And I just thought, I'm just going to riff on what I feel is the heart of the prisoner and kind of reinvent it a little bit and I want to make it sound sort of like an alternative version of the original, make it very close to the original. But I was very clear that, and lots of people have spoken about the fact that we don't have the original theme tune, mm-hmm. like, like there was some kind of rights issue. There's no rights issue. We could just do a version of it and pay for that. There was, there was no one stopping us. But I said, I don't think it's right to have the same theme tune because it would be like I'm trying to make it sound like these come in between episodes of... Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick McGowan's prisoner and so I, I didn't want to do that so that's why I said I want a tune that's different but I want it to sound like it's played by the same band and and I think that's what Jamie Robertson our composer has beautifully done I think he's you know he he really it took him a while to absorb the style mm. and he's sort of done versions of all the classic prisoner bits of music oh. um, yeah what am I talking about uh, <laughs> the prisoner. Why the did prisoner. you oh, reside? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will not be. Yeah. Yes. So, so what is? The, so, there's two series out. For, uh, yeah, yeah. For we've prisoner. done a second series, and I'm working on a third now. A third one. Mm. Uh, how many episodes in each one? Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're quite long. The episodes they vary from like 50 minutes to uh, well over an hour, because you know, hey, it only has to fit on a CD, so it can go up to 70 odd minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, some of them are adaptations of the original ones but they're very broad adaptations and some of them are completely new stories the thing i keep forgetting that you haven't heard a lot of these things that i say about the prisoner so i should say the first thing is when we announced that we were doing it it was the most negative reaction we'd ever had for anything and people did say to me is you know if you think that uh Doctor Who fans are proprietorial. You haven't met Prisoner fans yet. I mean, I'm a Prisoner fan, but I've never been involved in Prisoner fandom. And, you know, there's only 17 episodes of it for them to possess. Uh, and, and, you know, quite rightly, uh, they, they do feel proprietorial about it. And, um, and I kept saying that were I to be one of you, I'd feel exactly the same about someone doing it. The only reason I feel different is because it's me, you know. And all I wanted to say to them was, look, honestly, it will be all right because I'm one of you and I will not mess this up. I mm. promise you, it will, you'll, you'll be able to tell how much I love The Prisoner when you hear this, you know. But, of course, I'm a stranger to mm. these people. So I did, um, 
I did make um, uh, contact with the sort of two factions of prisoner fandom because there are always factions in fandom. <laughs> what are the two factions? Well, of prisoner I've only skirted the out, the outer edges, so I don't. Oh, well, really there's know six that. of one who were the prisoner fan club who started in I think 1977. Mm-hmm. I think, sorry guys, if I got that wrong, and they've been with the prisoner all along. And then I think some people peeled away from it and created a website or a group called um, the Unmutual. <laughs> You'll get the reference, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I don't think they get along that well. However, there was a big event in Port Marion recently where there were members of both mm-hmm. bunches there and they seem to get on really well. I have to say they're both, and I'm not just saying this for political reasons, I know people in both camps and they are delightful. I love them all. And uh, and, and also network distribution who do the, the, the DVDs, you know, um, Tim Beddows, who's a lovely guy who, you know, I've spoken to, who's unfortunately fell off his bike recently. Well, I don't know. Just, just the other day, I saw a photograph of him with his face all sort of swollen and his elbow broken or something. Tim, if you hear this, which I'm sure you won't, I hope you're feeling better now. Was um, it a penny farthing bike? No, it wasn't. That's <laughs> funny. That, yeah, so I said, we're making a joke about a man who's had a terrible accident. No, he's fine. He's fine. I yeah. believe he's fine. Goodness. I mean, he's taking photographs of himself and sending yeah. them to people. So I'm sure, you know, so it's all, all great. Um, uh, but the thing that I found really surprising once it was out, apart from the fact that uh, everyone really loved it, uh, apart from Tim Beddows of Network Distribution, who won't listen to it because it's not got Patrick McGoon in it. <laughs> I've sent him the files as well. I said, will you listen to it if I send you the files? He went, yeah, yeah. He said, I can't get them to work on my computer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to have a word with you, Tim. I've got to give him the CDs. And he went, oh, hold on. I've got, I haven't got anything to play a CD on anymore. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Well, what's the man to do about it? Anyway, they, everyone loved the new, new episodes. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, well, can you do more of those? I haven't in the second box set. I've still done one entirely new one. But what I've done is the adaptations have got crazier and more and more, you know, the title. I can't remember. The, quite often I change the title as well. Mm-hmm. But I start with the, what happens in the episode as the, as the starting point right. and, then, and then go from there. I mean, A, B and C is very different. I think that one's called Project 6 now. Mm-hmm. But the whole A, B and C thing does come into it. Um, I'm having trouble remembering my own stories. I'm so busy. It's, it's weird, isn't it? I only did this it's last convention year. convention brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how, how important, obviously it was important for you to cast the right person in yes. the role of it because, you know, different people wrote for the show, but there was only one number six and that was Patrick mm. McGowan. So mm. how, how far did you cast the net to well, look for your number six? I took a lot of advice from my colleagues at Big Finish and asked all the directors and producers at Big Finish to throw their suggestions my way. Uh... And I suppose I could mention, actually, I think I can mention this. There were, there were two famous-ish actors who I was sort of interested in. One was um, Toby Stevens, you know, who does Black Sails. Do you know mm, him? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. Was, in, was a villain in one of the Brosnan Bond movies. Mm. Um, and also has played James Bond on BBC Radio. And he's an actor I've always admired and never... I don't think we've ever worked with him in Big Finish. I met him when uh, when I was doing an audio book at Audio Go, and uh, back in the day, and and we were both. He was he was recording. I don't know. It might have been James Bond. I don't know what he was doing. And I was recording Doctor Who. And at lunch times, we all the readers used to meet around a table and have a sandwich. And he was. He always plays nasty characters, so I thought he's going to be like a child. I thought he'll be a nasty person as well. And, of course, he was delightful. Really, we had a lovely chat. And so I thought, he's got the right kind of edge. 
So I did ask, but his agent said he's in South Africa filming mm-hmm. Black Sails. And I thought, yeah, he's always going to be somewhere filming something, isn't he? Yeah, and yeah. this is going to be a right royal pain. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought. And then I thought of another brilliant actor who uh, we'd worked with, whose name now escapes me. Oh, I know, uh, Douglas Hodge, mm-hmm. Dougie Hodge, uh, uh, who's an incredibly accomplished actor, done so much stuff if you were to review any of his work now you'd be blown away by it he's yeah and a lovely lovely human being and so uh i contacted him through lou jameson who who knows him mm-hmm. and he's he said oh thanks ever so much for thinking of me nick i'm but i'm based in new york at the moment and then there was another actor that someone um suggested to me who's not famous but has done a lot on television and seemed right i heard his clips he seemed amazing and very sort of and he and he looked good for the part as well i honestly can't remember his name but i met him and suffice it to say that i thought i don't think i can spend a long time in this man's company (laughs) and then i thought i'm missing a trick here because all those choices were not i didn't i wasn't 100 percent convinced by those choices and uh, but I thought let's see how it goes and I thought there must be someone and all the actors I know who would be superb at this and for whom it would mean everything and that's what I wanted I wanted someone who loved it and then I thought back to it was about a couple of years previously I'd bumped into a guy who I'd worked with 20 odd years earlier in a theatre tour we did um, Brideshead Revisited and he was playing the lead and I was being an acting assistant stage manager, which meant I was the lowest of the low and I had to make the props and the tea and everything. And also played about, you know, five or six parts, you know, in various wigs and hats and goodness knows what. <laughs> um, but uh, he and I, although we hadn't become firm friends or anything, we always had an opening gambit because we discovered very early on that we were both Doctor Who fans. And so we would always chat about Doctor Who. And he, like me, has that sort of weird encyclopedic knowledge of Doctor Who. And um, I thought that... And then I thought of... And his name is Mark Elstob. And I thought, Mark has got a kind of edge. To, he's got a real... And I thought, well, I think this could work. And I'd bumped into him on a train late at night, going back to my flat in <laughs> London. And he had uh, given me his details and i hadn't contacted him again apart from to say thank you for your details he says you know uh, nick then julie forgot all about me and so i just thought and so i i, I put a, a request into his agent and she immediately came back and said no he's busy he can't do it hmm. i thought oh damn and she told me what he was busy doing and i thought oh and i said it's the prisoner i'd love him to play number six because i thought i know he's good I, I said i wanted to see him to talk to him about it so I did a naughty thing, which is I found the theatre that he was performing in in Austria, I think it was, and I contacted the stage door, and uh, he wow. emailed me and said, "Look, I'm really sorry, I'm busy, Nick, and and uh, I would have loved to have been in your production of The Prisoner, but you know." And I said, "It's a shame." I emailed back and said, "It's a shame because I think you'd make a really lovely number six, and you could almost hear like the handbrake turn in the email. The agent <laughs> hadn't that hadn't gone. The agent hadn't computed that that number six was important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just." I suppose a, number six sounds kind of generic. If it you does, don't know the doesn't prisoner. it? Yeah. yeah. It is like, number six, you say, hold on, I think we may be able to make this work. <laughs> right. I'm going off to do this theatre, but I will be free on Sunday. So he was going to go and, and did indeed go to Pitlockery Theatre in Scotland, which, you know, for, 
for us Brits, that's a long way away from London. Mm-hmm. I know for you, you just do that and just mm-hmm. sort of drive every day. Just for a long us, commute, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But so he, he so I met, I met up with him just to make sure that he wasn't a shell of a man or something, you know, <laughs> and was pretty much the same as I remembered him. Uh, and he was, except that his hair was now silver. It used to be sort of, you know, a bit salt and pepper, mostly black before. Um, but that doesn't matter. Um, uh, I keep telling myself about my own hair. Uh, and uh, Sylvester McCoy's beard is darker than mine. How did that happen? He's in his 70s. I'm in my 50s. Anyway, I digress massively. Uh, so I, I said to him, I, I, I'm not going to audition you, mate. I said, I know you you're a brilliant actor and I know you'll do a great job um, I just wanted to see if we could get on and mm-hmm. it would be fine and it was you know I'd taken him for lunch and so uh, yeah he used to uh, get the train uh, every Saturday night for however many weeks it took and, and arrive in London Sunday morning and we would record and then he'd whiz off back to do a performance on the Monday so and it worked out really well. He said, do you want me to... He tells the story that he said, do you want me to impersonate Patrick McGoon? And I said, no, 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 you know, just do it your own way. Uh, and then uh, shortly before recording, I contacted him and said, I'm hearing Patrick McGoon's voice in everything I've written. So maybe you could lean more towards that. Uh, not a slavish impersonation. But Mark has that quality in his voice anyway. He has that kind of edge, you know, and he just... He's sort of channeling it. Mm-hmm. It's been slight, written slightly differently to the way Patrick McGowan did it. It has to be because he has to speak more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's audio. You have to sort of know a little bit more of what's going on inside his head. Because, of course, the brilliant thing about Patrick McGowan was that in many ways, and I hope this doesn't sound awful to prisoner fans, he's sort of quite hateful, isn't he? He's not charming at all. And yet you're absolutely fascinated by him and do not want to leave his side. Mm-hmm. He's amazing, compelling. But but not nice. He's not nice. Mm-hmm. Is he? he's not cuddly. You, you you think you know you'd be frightened to meet Patrick McGoon, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, particularly now since he's dead. Yeah, you know, that would be terrifying, <laughs> terrifying. to meet him. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, yeah, we've yeah. we've spoken often on the podcast about how you know when there's scenes with him and just him, mm-hmm. a lesser show would have like lots and lots of of possibly a voiceover yeah. or somebody else showing up just to say something but The Prisoner is a show that's not afraid of silence or not even silence ambient sound yeah absolutely mm-hmm. totally and you must see this documentary well, it's it, fascinating I think it's could. only available in the UK right now oh. and the, and the story blue, of our lives yeah the first Blu-ray that came out a few years ago is now out of print in North America so like it's becoming oddly mm-hmm. more difficult Find, uh, You'd think the they would have thought of that for the 50th anniversary. Let's yeah. let's make it accessible. Well, and also people, networks no. should do an on-demand service, shouldn't mm. they? That you Agreed. can just you can um, get it on iTunes, but it's not the HD version of the series of proper. The series proper, not, yeah. 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 not yeah. the documentary. The document, you're talking about. Yeah, so even the series itself is difficult to find mm-hmm. now. Yeah. It's very sad. Do you have a favorite TV episode of The Prisoner? Is that possible? Um, wow. Well, the chimes of Big Ben because it was the first one I saw. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was totally enchanting, and uh, and I love the fact that they played tricks on us by showing shots of of ships and airplanes, <laughs> and, and none of that was true. They just broke all the rules, didn't yeah. they? You know, and I think it, I think my dad said to me, "You've got to be careful with that series because they lie to you. They deliberately lie to you." I quite liked the audacity of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm rather bizarrely fond, and this is where prisoner fans really want to shoot me. Of do not forsake me. Oh my darling! Interesting. Yeah. Why that one? Well, you know, I found it totally bizarre that, that you know, because he was off filming Ice Station Zebra, mm-hmm. they they decided just to do an episode without him and get him to just do a couple of topping and tailing bits and a bit of voiceover. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and bizarrely a lot of my thoughts about the the, the logic and in inverted commas of the way I'm doing the the prisoner is sort of based on that episode mm-hmm. yeah and that Seltzman gets mentioned a few times I have ideas about where it's going to go but I don't I don't know I think it would be wrong to come to any solid conclusions mm-hmm. I think that's probably the way to do a prisoner thing is to not yeah mm-hmm. but but I'm 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 flirting with it and some prisoner fans said to me oh, you can't base it on that episode because that's mm-hmm. a rubbish episode and I said yeah oh. hold on it's in the series isn't yeah. it it is part of the canon you can't ignore what they say in that mm-hmm. so yeah yeah but I think I'll go for chimes really mm-hmm. mm, lovely yeah mm-hmm. so so do you do you do you foresee how you would end uh, the prisoner like would you have your own ending or would it sort of sort of fit in it has to probably fit in somewhere before Fallout, wouldn't it? No. Unless um, Fallout is really is a death scene. Then that's it, true. Then it can go mm, at the very end. I know. I just, um, I mean, in a way, I've covered Fallout in the second series. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the second series? Mm-hmm. We've, we bought both series, uh, foolishly thinking we'd have time to listen to them <laughs> on our various road trips in the U.S. in November, and we, yeah, have, yeah, we have not been right. able to. Have you heard any of it? No, not oh, right. the, one of the wonderful theme song, which I quite love. Good, good. Yeah. A lot of people think it is the original Prisoner theme, because oh, it's, it sounds, and they say, oh, it's a different version. It's not. It's different notes and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it really is a different piece of music. Yeah. But it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's like music by the same band. You know, bands, mm-hmm. a lot of tunes by a band sound the same because they play it in their way you know um oh that's interesting that you have there, there's an episode in the second volume that i um the whole business of um him allegedly being number one mm-hmm. is dealt with and thrown out of the window oh interesting Ooh. i just yeah i just do that thing and go uh-huh. yeah 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 you thought that was true no that's not true you know and he believes it's true at one point and, mm-hmm. you know so so I'm signaling to the audience that wherever this is going, it's not going there mm-hmm. because I've already dealt with that in episode three of the second series. Right. So no. Now I know there are also some comic books which we have also not gotten to yet because we just barely. I've finished. got them. Someone gave them to me this weekend. Really? But I haven't opened the packet yet. Yeah. Have you ever? Did you, have you ever read them? No. Have okay. you ever heard of them? I had heard of them in uh, a kind of right? distant sort of trumpeting way. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same here. Perhaps, perhaps it'll be another thing we'll explore mm-hmm. once we're outside the village, if we ever escape in the first place. Well, yeah, you must let me know what if you like my version of The Prisoner. If you don't like it, just keep still. Just don't keep yeah. still. Yeah. So, so, so. But if you like it, you know. Well, we've heard very good things from yes. very good people about it, so we were very intrigued to check it out. And I we, love it. It means everything to me. You know, I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with it. Which I, is part of, a big part of why I'm so excited to listen to it, because yeah. I don't, I think in the hands of somebody who didn't love it, it yeah, just, just, I can't even imagine what that would I can't see like. the point. What would you do The Prisoner for if mm-hmm. it didn't really strike a chord? It makes me, just talking about it now, I'm getting a bit of a tingle. I know that sounds nonsense. I kind of, oh, The Prisoner. No, I get it. You know? Because yeah. <laughs> we're doing a podcast yeah. about it. Yeah, so here exactly. We go. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also because of the link to my late father, you know, as well, mm-hmm. the fact that he sort of introduced it to me, although never showed in any, any interest in watching it again, you know. <laughs> right. But just told me it was this thing, you know. So it, it's also a link to that. I get very nostalgic about, you know, old TV series. It's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what a chance to do that. It'd be mm-hmm. brilliant. And it's been nice as well working with ITV. They're nice people there, and um, you know, hopefully, we'll be able to do other things with them as well. I mean, we've done a bit of Captain Scarlet stuff with yeah, them, yeah. you know. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very exciting. Nick Briggs, thank you very much. You're most welcome. And to everyone listening, be seeing you. Be seeing you. <laughs> <laughs>